Ryan, you ready? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Hello, interwebs. Welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe Wick. And I'm Ryan. John Wick 4 just released in theaters this last week, and we're here to talk about it. Full spoilers ahead. So, Ryan, what's your history with the John Wick franchise? I remember seeing the original John Wick years ago. Uh, not in theaters, though. This is the first John Wick movie I've actually seen in theaters, surprisingly. Me too. I think I saw the first John Wick probably shortly after Chapter 2 came out, and I was like, okay, I'll see what all the fuss is about. Really liked it, and then, uh, re- excuse me, recently, I think sometime last year, and honestly, just this week, I had watched uh, Chapters 1 through 3, and uh, really liked all of them. You know, Chapter 1 was really good. It was nice well-contained small story about a man who's grieving and taking uh, revenge after the slaying of his dog and the theft of his car. And then Chapter 2 kind of expanded the world of John Wick really well. Chapter 3 is a bit of a mess, but still very enjoyable at parts. And then uh, got hyped to see this movie, so that's my history with it. I didn't watch John Wick at the time. It's one of those ones that I heard about for at least a couple of years before I finally, like you, caved and gave it a shot. And I wasn't as blown away by the first one as other people were, if only because it maybe got a little overhyped for me, but I still really liked it. It's, if I recall, the premise behind John Wick was roughly a bunch of Hollywood stuntmen get together and were like, hey, let's do a movie our way. Or we're a bunch of guys who know how to mm-hmm. shoot action and choreograph action, actually make an action movie. Let's see how that goes. So that was in the DNA of John Wick right from the start. If it was a bad action movie, then the whole, then I question my faith in Hollywood in general. But what was interesting about it was that it wasn't just a good action movie, that it was a compelling story as well about vengeance and redemption. And who, who can't get behind his motivation, really? A couple of young punks come into his house, steal his car, kill his dog. You'd want to kill them, too. Uh, but John mm-hmm. Wick has the power to do that. And what I loved about it was the mythology right up top. Because, yeah, you can get on board with this guy pretty easily, like I said. But what really clinches it is when the nephew goes back to uh, his uncle and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, uh, we, we killed this guy's dog, took his car. And he's like, do you know what you just mm-hmm. did? <laughs> and that's well, like, the best oh, part crap. about that, the, about that yeah. backstory right before that, uh, the main boss goes, I heard you struck my son. It's like, yeah, because he stole John Wick's car, sir, and killed his dog. And then <laughs> you see the reveal of the head boss. And he just goes, oh, and hangs up. He's like, got it. <laughs> Yeah, like I completely understand why you hit him. That's one of the best parts about John Wick is just instantly the first time you see the bad guys, they're scared of John Wick, which (laughs) is just so compelling immediately because you're like, okay, well, this is probably going to be really easy for John Wick based on how they're reacting, but it's going to be very fun and satisfying to watch. And number two, somehow improved upon the mythology even more. You get a lot more lore thrown into the mix and learn more about the the high table under the table the continentals get to see more of his associates it really expanded the world 
and three was just an adrenaline rush of a movie. He's got he's excommunicado. He's got an hour before everybody tries to cash in on the bounty on his head. It's a good escalation. Uh, it feels really tense coming off of the back of part two because one through three are basically just right back to back after each other. There's no time to pause, which is a really cool thing to do for a trilogy mm-hmm. that they're all right there. Number four is a bit of a time skip. John Wick's healed up. Uh, but yeah, so going into part four, I was, I was excited because I saw, like I said, I saw the first one a couple of years late. I only watched two and three just this week. So they were fresh in my mind going into four. Oh. Yep. Uh, which really helped because I, I, a lot of the thematic elements were fresh in my mind and I got a lot more out of four having refreshed myself or seen it mm-hmm. for the first time rather. Yeah. I'm glad I rewatched them too. Even, uh, even three. Where not, I'm not saying that three is entirely terrible, but it's definitely the weaker of the franchise. But uh, there's even elements from three that's in four. There's no like, there's perfect... no bad movies. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not. Yeah, they're in the John Wick franchise. There, none of them are bad. Just, there are yeah. some that are weaker. Three is the weakest one, but it's not even. It's not even. It's got that some bad. of. It's got one of the best fight scene intros, in my opinion, where they're in the. Uh, in the knife shop. The knife shop is the first like, thing that comes to mind. I like the one right after that. So we're, in their, we're in their horse stables. Yeah, that one's good too. My favorite part about the intro though, um, right before they get to the knife fight where John Wick spends this entire time rebuilding a gun because the one bullet won't fit into the other and he's, fin- he's finally got it. It's like maybe a minute or two scene and he only shoots one guy with it because that's how much time they give with it. I think that's an... <laughs> Excellent gag. Yeah. So uh, let's get into our close-up and talk about part four now. We'll probably talk more about the other ones as they come, because this, this is chapter four. It's a continuing story where uh, mm-hmm. they tie into each other a lot. Uh, up top, I'm going to say this is better than two and three. It's easily top two John Wicks out of four of them. I can't decide if I like it better than the first yet, though. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll say why. I think the first, like many first movies in a franchise, is a great standalone story. They killed his dog. They stole his car. He wants revenge. And he gets it. It's, it's a great self-contained story. You can just, it's got a lot of rewatchability factor. So it's, it's just great that way. Mm-hmm. It's just really entertaining. John Wick 4 is the culmination of a four-arc story, and it's grander in scope. It's way more epic. It's technically way more well done. The action scenes are more confident, better put together. The guys who work on these behind the scenes have honed their craft to an exceptional degree by this point. It's a better story. I think it's better acted, too. There's There's a lot more going for part four, but is it as rewatchable? I think that maybe what the big factor in my mind for so as a john wick fan i think i like four the best but it's not the one i'm gonna come back to well john wick the first one is such a simple story and it's very self-contained where that you could easily throw that on whenever i mean and i will say john wick four i personally think john wick four is 
I wouldn't say a better movie, but I would put it on top of the first one because it's hard to compare the two because they are very different, right? Where John Wick 1 is very self-contained and it's more grounded and you're building up this character. Where, as you said, in John Wick 4, it's it's this epic finale, this great grand, you know, culmination of all the world, the entire world of this, you know, the, the high table organization coming together and... Yeah, I it, to me, even though it's set in the same franchise, they're two very different films, I think. The action is really high stakes here. Not that it is in the first one, but it goes crazier with its stunts. The fight scenes go longer, longer than you would think they would go, especially during the one Japan fight scene where they're in the art gallery where you think, okay, now the fight's done. Nope, there's going to be five more goons that come up after this one. So... It's it's hard to compare the two, but I think I had a lot more fun watching the fourth one. I will I will say not that I didn't have fun watching the first movie because well, okay, it was really it was cool seeing the world build uh, the world being yeah. built in John Wick one. But then at, over time, I, that's why I think the John Wick franchise has the one of the best world building in films by far, like Definitely. one of the best. Where you have this world of organized assassins. How do you get them to avoid each other or work with each other? Oh, you set up this high table and you have them run these hotels all over the world and you have them be really high class and very respectful. And it's just like, it's smart, brilliant writing. And I think uh, Chad Switowski, I think if that's uh, Stalisky, that's how you pronounce his name, who I'm pretty sure was a, a stunt double for Keanu Reeves on The Matrix. I'm pretty sure that's how they know each other. So he comes from a stunts background. And I th- just think this is his baby. This is his franchise. And he does a phenomenal job with each movie. Yeah. The world of international crime has always interested me in a morbid way. I like the romanticization of it. You know, there's like like regular street crime. Just like stuff you see that's like gritty in the cities. Just around you and you're like oh yeah that stuff is like that's dark and you know you could tell stories about that but I, I love just like international criminals the like the uh the class they have like the the suits their mm-hmm. organizations just so john wick is like the ultimate fantasy for me that way in terms of crime movies it, it builds out the most interesting world out of all of them that i've seen just the lore behind it is just really cool. Just the idea of this high table and mm-hmm. everyone's got to follow the rules. And I think my favorite thing about all the John Wick movies is the respect everybody has for the organization, for the rules. Like multiple times it's happened in this franchise where they they are in a big fight and then they end up on continental grounds and have to just stop immediately. Uh, and number yeah. two was funny. They literally crashed through the door. And they had to just, (laughs) and they were like, stop. And then they went to the bar, got a drink, started talking about, yeah, you know, I didn't want to kill your boss, but like I was on a job and he's like, you know, yeah, we're on grounds now and I get it, but like, I'm still coming after you later. I don't, yep. I get that too. Or in three where he, he's being chased by the uh, main guy who was hired to kill him and he literally just touches the steps and and then Lance Reddick pops out. was like, put your weapon down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Or uh, we've been talking about this at my workplace. That same guy at the very end, even after John kills him, he's like, he sits up 
Mm-hmm. That was a good fight, eh, John? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and John's like, yeah, it was good. Well, 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 so I'll catch, up, catch, to you. I'll catch up to you, John. No, you won't. No, you won't. It's the respect, which mm-hmm. is what I liked about the villains in this movie, is that the respect is gone. They, he, he pushed the high table yeah. too far, and they let the marquee off the leash, like they said, and there's no... There's no compromise. He doesn't care about the rules anymore. He doesn't respect John as a as an assassin or as a person. He's kind of just in it for his own glory above everything else. But he has this air of decorum, and that's why people like Winston, who are like, "Yeah, you're you're a backstabber too," but you have respect for the organization. You play within the rules. You're like you betray John Wick when it suits you, but also you. Like, you respect him as a person, and you can yeah. be on opposite sides but still work together. But that's why you have characters like Kane, who I think part of the reason he's so depressed the whole movie is because he feels disrespected. He's got mm-hmm. the Marquis is constantly holding his daughter over his head, and that's one of my favorite scenes in the ending is when the Marquis is like, one last time, we got your daughter, and he's just like, fuck off. That was so funny. It's like, remember your daughter. Fuck off. It was like so quick. Like you haven't told me enough times throughout the movie. Oh, man. And he's like, he's friends with John. That's the the best part. He's like, he's friends with John and like they have to kill each other and they know they have to kill each other, but it's just business, not personal. Mm -hmm. We're doing full spoilers, right? Oh, yeah. I don't believe John's dead. I mean, I don't believe it. I don't no, believe no. it for fucking... I was waiting for, like, right before it fades to black just to see Keanu Reeves' shoulder come into frame or something like that. Me I was too. just waiting for that to happen. I don't believe he's dead. But if they don't continue uh, with... Like, if they don't continue with this franchise and this is where it ends, I'm fine with it. Because uh, Chad uh, still... Le- I can't pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. He said he's Stahelski? taking a break from the John Wick. Yeah. He said he's taking a break from the John Wick franchise for a little bit, which is fair. Yeah. Because Keanu Reeves is probably on a contract to not shave his face or cut his hair for the past eight years. And that's why yeah. he looks like John Wick in all of his fucking movies. True. <laughs> Especially in the new Matrix one where people were very upset with. I'm going to tell you why I think John Wick survived at the end. And it's just, it's a little detail, but it might be significant. So there's the scene just before he gets to the Sacre-Cœur where they're in the boats and they're talking about what they mm-hmm. want on their gravestones. And John says, I want John, loving husband. And in, this is skipping back to the last couple movies, but the last few movies made a point to show that John thinks of himself as two different people. There's John and John Wick. There's John, loving yeah. husband to Helen, and John Wick, international assassin, monster, Baba Yaga. The gravestone at the end read, John Wick, loving husband. Mm. Which is not what he's, he said he wanted it, John, specifically. And they put John Wick, which to me says, they buried John Wick. John maybe is still out there. I mean, yeah, that's true. But there also, it's Helen Wick beside her. Uh, it doesn't matter. It is no, a small I just, detail. I just think it, I don't small, believe he's but dead. I think I think that's significant. <laughs> I don't. It, they've made multiple points in this fil- in this franchise mm. about John and John Wick being separate, and they put John Wick on the gravestone when he specifically said yeah. just John. 
So I think that's a thing. Also, when he got shot, he wasn't like bleeding out that bad. It looked no. like he didn't take injuries as bad well, as Well, that's what I was like, about to say. Like he does he does get shot like three times, but not really anywhere near vital organs. Like no. one's near the collarbone, one's on his arm, one's like below, like above his waist, but I feel like that could have just hit tissue yeah. like not even tissue, but like yeah, I don't believe he's dead. Not for a second. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my main evidence. And there's also, you know, the fact that he says to Kane last, like, well, you owe me one, which you could say is a cute thing a dying guy would say. But also mm-hmm. it could be like, I'm not dying and uh, I will call on you eventually. I'm surprised Kane didn't die because, well, the other guy's daughter said, if you don't, you better kill him or I will. So I'm surprised. I don't know if they're waiting for like a sequel or maybe a TV show to set that up. Did you stay after the credits? There was stuff after the credits. There was a post-credit scene. Shit. <laughs> what was it? Okay, so Kane uh, is still in is in Paris, and you see him walking through this crowd with a bunch of flowers, and then you see him going up to his daughter, who's the who's the violinist. She's performing a show for uh for a crowd and he's going up with the flowers and then uh akira who is the the daughter of that guy from the uh, osaka continental uh you see her going through the crowd towards kane and she pulls a knife out of her she pulls a knife out of her sleeve goes up towards him as he's making his way to his daughter and cut to black Oof. so they didn't like finish that story it does set up <laughs> like we don't know what happened but we do see that they do bring her back right at the tail end which they're setting up a john wick five or i love the i love the way this movie ended because i think they said that they're that, making a content i think they're making a continental movie or show i think i heard that a couple sure. Of years ago sure why not i just love the way this movie ended because if they didn't make a john wick five this could easily be the end of it. It's open-ended enough mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, maybe John Wick died, maybe he didn't die. I don't know, but his story is a natural conclusion here, and I'm satisfied with it. If they never did more, that's fine. But if they do more, it's open-ended enough that I'm not like, okay, you're just cashing in because For you sure. did leave you did leave enough open ends that there could be more. What I would like to see happen potentially is number 5 has nothing to do with John Wick at all. You keep going like he did die. Mm-hmm. And then maybe in the last scene, somebody finds John Wick. Or he just makes a cameo in That'd it. That'd be smart. Was it, a, was it a mid-credit scene or a post-credit? Like all the way at the end? All the way. Okay, I'm not staying for that. <laughs> yeah. I guess look it up. Like, I see what Marvel's done to you, and now you want to stay in the end credits, but... Yeah, I guess it's not that. Uh, not more and that more movies are doing I do, that. I stay for I stay for Marvel, but the one time I did stay and I got like a fu to me, it was the uh, the Batman one, where it's just like the Riddler's website at the end credits, and I was like, "Fuck oh, you!" Yeah. You made me stay all the way, <laughs> you made me stay all the way at the end there. My favorite screw you post credit scene is the Captain America one from Homecoming. A lesson on yeah. patience. Sometimes you wait for a thing, and that <laughs> thing isn't worthwhile. 
Oh, Steve Rogers. That one was so good. Of course, there's also the classic, arguably the first post credit scene ever was uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where if you wait till the very end of the movie, he comes out in his bathrobe. That one's funny. You're still here? The movie's over. Go home. Yeah, and that one makes sense, too, because as the credits are rolling, you see a whole entire scene as it's rolling, too. So you're enticed to stay, not even for the end credit scene, but just to watch that scene of um, the teacher getting on the bus or the vice principal. Rooney, yeah. Rooney. I almost said Feeny, but that's a different, that's Boy Meets World. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. The end of Deadpool 2 was also a direct homage to, like, the post credit scene of Deadpool 2 is the Mm. same hallway. He comes out of Vera Fuller's robe. Second one. Oh, oh I'm no! Sure it's the, the first, first one, yeah. No, you're right. Because he's, like, like, oh, he's like, oh yeah, we yeah. might have cable. We might have cable in the next one. <laughs> like, well, I can't tell you anything about the sequel, but I will tell you this: we're getting cable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he meant that for sure, or he just like threw that out there, and then the producers like, now we have to get cable. <laughs> oh no, Ryan Reynolds was gonna make that happen. You can't have yeah. Deadpool without cable. Well, you can, but like, you can. You want, you should want How great it. for uh, John Bernthal to do both Cable and Thanos. It was a good Just year. Like, yeah. I'll do two iconic villains. Same well, year. Once an anti-hero. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, back to John Wick 4. So I was pretty blown away from this movie from the opening shot where maybe it was just because I was in the theater. This is the first John mm-hmm. Wick movie I've seen in theaters. But just the sound effects as he's punching the bag were booming in my in my theater it made people and jump like, in my theater yeah you could <laughs> like, feel oh. the sound like every punch and i immediately i was thinking okay i'm in for a good ride here and the sound effects in this movie are partially what made it the sound effects the the score was incredible too but i do want to harp on the sound effects just a bit because you feel every punch every fall every uh every impact of every bullet or fist um, or when he falls out of the buildings for the millionth time, crashes into cars, gets hit by things, whatever. It's just, like, it really immerses you, especially with that theatrical sound. I don't know how it's going to play on uh, on home video or streaming, but in the theater, it really immersed me in this world. It was very good, yeah. yeah. Sound design was very well done. Yeah, this this is how I want every action film, every Marvel movie, every DC movie to do action nowadays. I want continuous shots of you can like don't stop doing the jump cut thing. I really hate it. It's really it's really bothersome. People love watching a fight scene and watch watching stunt performers fight each other for longer takes. And yeah. if anything, this franchise shows that love for it. I mean, it's directed by a stunt guy who was probably in one of the greatest action movies of all time, which is The Matrix. So yeah. it's just like, how well, you know, you're the one. This who is the formula. This, yeah, you're the one who brought this up to me though. And the reason most movies don't do this is because the actors don't put in the time or the effort or just physically are unable to do stunts like this. You can have right. those beautiful long takes of the of the fighters just going at it because Keanu Keanu's actually. Doing I heard he it. did like I've heard he did in like ninety eight percent of the stunts in this film. I think yeah, I you, saw that. Like you can see his face. They don't have to jump cut around everything to try to hide the fact that it's a stunt guy 
doing it for yeah. him. They can have those really wide shots transition into cool. Th- like you can actually be creative when you're not trying to hide things. It, like letting Keanu mm-hmm. do the do the work is both like impressive, and I have mad respect for the man. Who I don't think I'll be that physically fit when I'm his age. I can't even do that stuff <laughs> now, probably. <laughs> yes, he's very a- good. I mean, but that's the thing, though. I think productions need to work around their, uh, if they want to do this sort of style. Well, not even like this type of style, because the fight scenes last for like 30 minutes sometimes, where they just need to devote time to if either the actor wants to do it and help them get trained well enough that it looks good on camera, or shoot around the stunt doubles well. Like, there's, there's a great way to shoot it if it's the stunt double. Uh, just put the really dangerous stuff on the stunt double and then shoot them from the back. Or you can even shoot them from the front and even, like, God forbid, do a face replacement, which I've seen people do. And, like, as the motion's going, you can't really tell. And you're not really looking for it. But there's, there's ways to get around it, is all I'm saying. There's literally some fight scenes, and it's happened on TV shows a lot, like Game of Thrones or even The Boys, where... Not the major fight scenes, but um, the ones where... My mom's calling me. Hi, Mom. Hi, streaming. Can I call you tomorrow? <laughs> say hi. Everyone say hi to my mom. Hi, Ryan's mom. <laughs> okay, bye, Mom. <laughs> That's a clip. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was bound to happen. What was I talking about? Um, uh, you were t- stunt doubles, <laughs> cutting around them. <laughs> But yeah, there's just, there's ways to do fight scenes where you don't have to be so jump cutty. And I think people are starting to get really tired of it where, and it's not on the fault of the editors, like they're told to edit that way. So, you know, the only person you can really blame is the production or the people running like from upstairs itself. Like, and I guess some people say, well, the action's not that important. The story is, but the action will help elevate the story. I mean, look at the fucking John Wick franchise, right? If it wasn't for these action scenes, it'd just be probably a, like, subpar-ish movie. But there's so much time and effort, money, and dedication put into each one of these fight scenes that elevates this movie to being fantastic. Slight counter to that. Instead of plot over action, I think the ideal is action which tells the plot. I think yes. that's what that's what a lot of these movies tend to forget is that action scenes aren't just oh let's blow something up just to wake the audience up and uh, have people kill each other just for spectacle mm. like action can be that and it often is that but the best action scenes are the ones that move the story like think of the whole back hour of this movie it's not just mm-hmm. action for action's sake it's the stakes are huge John has to get to Sacrecur. Or he won't get his redemption. He won't get out of the life. He has to make it to this duel by sunrise. And every assassin in Paris is going to try their damnedest to kill him before he can get there. So every minute he wastes trying to kill these guys is one that he might lose the rest of his life to this organization. So he's the stakes are huge and every combat really matters. You feel the desperation behind every encounter. And all of it is cranked up to 10 it, like they're just they happen to be really great choreographed scenes and you get all the carnage you're looking for 
but the emotional investment's there as well. And you can also build character through action as well. Like, look at the way these stunts are choreographed, right? One of my favorite things about John Wick is that every single person he fights has a different combat style. I look at John Wick fight and the way he takes down mm-hmm. bad guys, I can, I can, having watched four of these things, I can look at it and be like, okay, this is how John Wick is going to take down this bad guy. He's probably going to, you know, hold up their leg and slam them to the ground or he'll do that, you know, um, Black Widow kind of leg move around the combat <laughs> around roll. The, yeah. Combat roll. He likes to tackle down people. To the ground. <laughs> or he'll do, yeah, he'll tackle people or he'll do like the judo. Two, yeah. Or do like two body shots, finish off with a headshot. Like, you know, body shots to stun, Mm -hmm. and then he finishes them off. Like, I know how John Wick fights. I can predict it as it goes, because I know what his style looks like. But then I look at the other characters, and they've all got their own just as unique styles, which the movie, once again, is well-made enough that they show these at wide angles. They let the performers do their thing. You can actually see everything that's happening, and that's a huge help. But, uh... Like, you got to appreciate the level of detail. They make every character feel distinctive that way. So I think, like, when John Wick is fighting Kane, for example, they both, like, you, you, you're kind of, uh, you're not just watching two guys hitting each other. You're watching two distinct styles of, uh, mm-hmm. of martial arts. And, like, John Wick is more gun-focused. Kane is more, uh, he uses his sword like he's more of a swordsman john is more of a gunsmith they have their own things and i i love seeing Mm -hmm. these combats are so intricate that i feel like i need to go back and rewatch all these movies uh with more detail because there's little moments in each of the combats that uh they kind of tell their own little story Uh, i'm trying to remember there was a scene in john wick three i think it was where where he fights um, the basketball player basketball player you know the very tall assassin who tried to oh kill him yeah the guy the guy he, killed he with the played book. for the he played for the dallas mavericks at the time i believe oh. his name's bogdan bogdanovich i think it is bo bogdanovich i think that's what oh. it is or i'm okay. i might be getting that completely messed up but yeah he was an nba player cool well my point anyway was there was a scene in it where i i don't remember the bad guy did something to him and then it's really fast paced, but John Wick did something that I could only describe as really petty to the bad guy as well. But like, if you weren't paying attention, you would completely miss it. And I, I don't even remember what it was now, but it's like it was just a little moment in the fight where I'm like, oh, things are happening that I'm not even noticing. He's not just mm. aiming to kill these guys. Sometimes he's toying with them a little bit. Sometimes he's taking some revenge for a hit they got on him. Like there's mm-hmm. there's layers to it. You can't notice the first time around every character is doing their own thing within the fight even if it yeah his name's boban mary joe mary uh, mary march and novik god damn it okay but yeah that's his name yeah there i i completely agree with you where and my uh one of my teachers at humber talked about this a lot who was a fight coordinator how mm. action should help elevate the story just as stories should help elevate the action yes. where especially probably one of the best fight scenes that no one talks about is in Troy where it's Achilles versus Hector. I don't know if you've seen it, 
but the whole story behind that is um, it's about the Trojan War and it's the Greeks um, invading Troy and Troy trying to defend themselves. Long story short, Hector kills someone close to Achilles. So Achilles is on this revenge quest. The reason why Hector killed that person is because that he thought that person was Achilles and he killed him easily. He didn't mean to do it. So there's this huge story element between the two where it elevates the stakes. You can see both sides where Achilles is taking revenge on his... Oops, sorry. Spoiler for you. He's taking revenge <laughs> on this person who um, killed someone who uh, was important to him. So we 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 uh like sympathize with him but also you're on Hector's side where these guys are the invaders so it doesn't matter who he killed you're you want to see Hector win as well and you definitely see both sides whereas in no offense but in Batman v Superman <laughs> you have the in in the comic books it makes sense but in the movie the way they're they're brought up or the way it's set up in the fight scene to me personally is not that well told where Superman just doesn't really like Batman for being Batman, and Batman doesn't like Superman for just being Superman. That's not really high stakes. Yes, it was a cool-ish fight, but it's not why we wanted to see the fight, where, as in the movie like Troy, it's supposed to, you're, you connect with the characters, and this is probably a, almost a third of the way through the movie, too, when this fight happens, so you spend time with these characters, and you get to love each of them. And it's a really awesome fight scene, too. It's really well choreographed. It's not like clash, 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 like three minutes straight. There's little beats in it, too, where, and it happens in the John Wick franchise as well, where they're fighting each other, and then they break off for a few seconds, and they're sizing each other up, seeing what their next move is. That's what makes a great fight scene to me, where there's the little breaks in between, uh, especially with two really strong characters where, okay, you got me that time. Let me size you up and try to do this part. Even in Troy, they talk shit, or Achilles talks more shit during that fight, too. It's really well well done. If you haven't seen that fight, uh, Achilles, who is played by Brad Pitt and is most fit he's ever been ever, does a Superman punch with a spear. I kid you not. It might not make sense to you, but when you see it, you'll understand. <laughs> he gotcha. does a Superman punch with a spear. But that's what makes fight scenes great, when there's like little breaks and little times where they size each other up during yeah. the fight. When you're talking about breaks, that reminds me of the best one I remember from this film, which was when he's fighting Kane and uh, John runs out of bullets and he's got his back to the mm-hmm. ground and then Kane just kind of walks out through the doorway. You dead, John? He doesn't say anything. Well, that's, that's also a great acting moment on Keanu Reeves as well, where he doesn't like he doesn't want to respond, but also he just looks confused on what to do next. He's just like, yeah. Fuck. There's a lot of su- Keanu yeah. Reeves. People don't really talk about his acting that much, but I think he is really good at subtlety. He's got Very a really so. he's got subtlety like down pat. And then he has, he sees the loaded gun next to him, but he's sitting mm-hmm. on broken glass and he doesn't know what to do. And then he kind of just turns over, makes the slightest sound. Kane's right back on oh. him, back he's back like, to oh. action. Yeah, but that was a fantastic <sighs> pause in between the fight. There's so much broken glass in this fucking movie. There's like, he probably goes through what? And just in the Japan fight, he goes probably through like 10 panels of broken glass. Even in the third movie, he goes through so much. I'm like, my God, how is this man still walking? One of my favorite scenes in the third movie is when they just throw him into like every display case down the hallway. I know. It's insane. And those two, he like, he fights the twins in that third movie too. 
And they're like, yeah. honor to meet you, Mr. Wick. And they help him up. And then there's one point where they knock him down again and he goes to get up. He's like, no, <laughs> like I can get myself I was just about, up. <laughs> I was just about to tell you about that. I saw uh, a thing the other day that said that was improv from Keanu Reeves. Because apparently, <laughs> apparently he'd been doing that fight so many times and he was just so exhausted that when he when he got up, they were going to help him up. And he just kind of threw his hands up and said, nope, no, but they, it worked so, so well. It worked so well in the context of the fight that the editors just kept that in. (laughs) I love that. I love improvised moments that they leave in film or just even like happy little accidents and then they make it to film. I think it's great. Yeah. These guys who are in film production, corridor or digital, they say that if an actor or stunt person gets injured and if they capture it on camera, then they have to put it in the film. Because why else, you know, (laughs) unless it like completely ruins the story. Because what would have been the point then if it's not in the film? Off the top of my head, one that I remember stayed in was when Tom Cruise broke his foot in Mission Impossible 6 Mm -hmm. when he jumped off the building. That one's still in the movie. There's probably like 10 other ones on Lord of the Rings that people don't know. I mean, everyone knows the Vigo kick in the helmet, that part. It's like the one fact all the casual fans fucking say. <laughs> oh, uh, did you know that in this scene he actually broke his yes. toe? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I thought this movie started out fantastic right from the from the opening scene when John hunts down the elder and then just shoots him mm-hmm. just because he wanted his ring back. Because when you're watching yeah. John Wick 3, you're like, oh, the elder seems pretty important. Is all of John Wick 4 going to lead up to him killing the Elder to earn his freedom? No, he just kills Mm -hmm. the Elder. Scene 1. I also like that the ring's gone, too. Like he says in the film, there's consequences for your actions and your choices. And no, you don't have your ring anymore. He's like, okay, I'll just shoot you. (laughs) And I love how the Elder's so unimportant. It's not even the same guy. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, is it even the same dude? No, that's... That's the filmmakers giving a middle finger to the audience. Like, no, your theories about the Elder were completely wrong. He's not important at all. We don't even need the same guy. The Elder's just... It doesn't matter. And the movie's like, yeah, yeah, the Elder can be replaced, but it's the principle of it. John Wick killed Mm. the guy above the table, and he needs to be made an example of. I also love we never actually see the table. I love we never see the table. Like, all 12 of the high people at the high table, I think that's great. Because it's just, it's not for the theories too either, but it's just also the mystery. I think people's imaginations can make things a lot more complex than when a film goes on their own idea. Because then it's just this one fixed point. Not to say if we saw the high table, it would have been bad. But I just think it's really awesome that they're like, no, we're not going to show it. And we're going to put in one of the Skarsgård to be the main villain. And he fucking kills it. I think he's the best villain. Well, he's like the actual villain, whereas the uh, adjudicator in part three was just kind of doing her job and just being an over-glorified, like, corporate Karen. She was just doing her job. Like, John Wick broke the rules, and she's like, yeah, I'm here now. But here, the Marquis feels like a villain. Well, he kills Sharon in the fir- his first scene. Yeah. What? I, that was no. shocking. No, that hurt. Damn. I mean, that like, hurt we me, yeah, and yeah, like we knew Lance Reddick passed because, away just before the film yeah. came out, and like I saw that, and I'm like, oh well, I wonder if he'll make it. This will be one of those situations where 
oh, of course, there'll be the one character who makes it to the end of the movie and, oh, what's going to happen in the franchise now? Oh, okay, well, oh, what do you know? They killed him the first time, so. I was so shocked and so sad. Well, because he's the only, I think he's the only objectively good character in this whole universe. Yeah. Like, Like, Winston's not a great character. Well, he's a great, excuse me, he's a great character. He's not an entirely good person. Oh, no, he's a backstabbing jerk who will take advantage of you for his own ends. For his hotel. Like at the end of three, when he worked with John just long enough to shoot him off the hotel when the other guys were like, oh, no, we'll Mm. let you keep your hotel. Oh, okay, John. Bang. (laughs) 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 And John was like, no, Uh, I I, I get it, though. Yeah, that's funny. I'm glad he was like, no, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wondered if Winston might be the bad guy. For this one at the time because I was like oh okay well he's yeah he screwed over John the most and number two he was the one who excommunicated him and put the bounty on him number three he betrayed him again shot him off the rooftops in this one he was like mm-hmm. okay now I need you to get my hotel back we have a mutual goal again so you can trust me and he's like okay I guess so mm. we can do that yeah it's true yeah, I think everybody does a fantastic job in this, uh, just acting-wise all around. Um, I wish there was a little bit more of Lawrence Fishburne. I thought he was going to have a lot more to do in this movie, but guess not. But uh, the scenes he's in, he steals them. I love the Bowery King character. He's so over the top. Mm-hmm. He's That's one of those great. characters where, like, if anybody with less acting skill played him, this would be this would suck so bad. I think it's really funny. I think he was in a recent interview where he said, sorry, I'm a, he's like, sorry, I'm a Marvel guy and I'd love to be in Marvel one day. And someone in the comments go, does he not realize Ant-Man the Wasp is in the Marvel movies? (laughs) Like he completely (laughs) forgot about that or something. Uh, It's just, because he's not a major character in that movie, but I guess he just completely, (laughs) that might have just slipped his brain a little bit. But someone said, yeah, make, Mar- make uh, Lawrence Fishburne Galactus. Sure. It's like, oh. You know what? If Star Wars can get away with having so many people play multiple characters, then I think Marvel can do it too. Why do you say get away like you're offended by it? <laughs> that you're offended by having the same actor in multiple roles. I'm not offended. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. It's just, a weird, it's just a weird practice. A franchise has gone on for so long that... Uh, People are playing they have to multiple use the same characters. Actor. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... You can get it for cheaper. Yeah, like Andy Serkis playing uh, Snoke and mm-hmm. Kino Loy. Uh, there, was a, there was a couple other ones, too. I don't know if you count Tamara Morrison playing Boba and Django. Um, yes. <laughs> there was... Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there was another return in uh, Mandalorian Season 4 another actor who's been in Star Wars before who also came back. And, uh, and you're like, oh, okay. So in that's... The newer epi- in the newer episode? Episode four. I'm not spoiling anything, but... It's I like, just okay, watched yeah, it. So that's... The Jedi. I'm trying to remember. He was in? For what? Who that's was he? spoiler. I'll tell you, I'll tell you later. I'll t- <laughs> Fine. <sighs> he was one of the CGI characters. He was a motion capture guy oh, before. That doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> that doesn't count. I mean, it counts, but yeah, I know what you're yeah, saying. Right. Uh, so where were we here? 
so I think, yeah, the Marquis was a really great villain up top because he killed Sharon, blew up the Continental, uh, the New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sets him up as a, as a great threat immediately. You're like, oh, this guy means business. And uh, shouldn't mess with him. Scarsgars, the Scarsgars are secretly one of the most talent, talented family actors in Hollywood. And Agreed. nobody talks about it. So I think that's great for them. <laughs> that nobody talks about it. And that some of them can do, or all of them can do really high budgeted things. And it's, all of them can do lily, um, indie movies as well. I think that's a secret that they love. And I think it's a secret that they will keep. Like, even um, Alexander Skarsgård, he's done Tarzan, and more recently he did The Northman, which I need to watch still. It's on my list. Northman's but he fantastic. also, I think he just he just did a horror movie called Infinity Pool. Infinite oh, okay. Pool? Something like that. Um, but yeah, Skarsgårds are... I don't know what it is, man. Maybe it's in their blood. Maybe it's in their genes to just be fucking incredible. Must be. I want there to just be a movie just called Skarsgård and have <laughs> Stalin, Alexander, and Bill just be in it. I don't know if they're planning on it, but it'd they be probably funny. would eventually. But yeah, I like the Marquis. I believe he said that his goal was to kill the idea of John Wick, mm-hmm. which is pretty fascinating in principle. Because once again, he, just, he needs to be made an example of if you can kill the boogeyman, then you're by default the biggest badass. That's true. Baba Yaga. So he wants to be the guy who killed Baba Yaga, but I also like that he's mm-hmm. a little bit, he's a bit of a wuss, and he won't get his hands dirty himself. He'll play tough. He'll send all these assassins out. But I also think it's funny that he's also hypocritical, because there's that scene where he, he sticks the knife in Mr. Nobody's hand and makes him pull it out, and he's like, okay, yeah, put your show that you can be a guy who puts the cause above yourself. Mm-hmm even though his whole thing is kind of putting his own ambition above the cause, which even uh, his aide there had one of the best lines in the movie when he said something like, uh, a man should only be as ambitious as he's worth. (laughs) Something like that. Or I just thought that was a really poignant idea of like, okay, you can be as ambitious as you want, but you are only worth so much. His his lead assassin the marquee guy he just wouldn't die man i swear to i thought he died maybe three times during that movie yeah he was a pretty good henchman i'll I'll get back to that i just wanted to finish my point but yeah yeah, so he puts he puts himself above the cause so much that he just the point is to make an example of john wick by once again killing the idea of john wick that's what the cause wants but he's willing to send untold guys to their deaths just so that he can be the guy who who killed John Wick. He doesn't care if he has to pay how many millions for it. But even mm-hmm. right at the end, he won't even let Kane get the satisfaction. He's like, okay, no, you're my second, so I call <laughs> carte blanche. I'm taking the bullet. I'm taking the last shot. Which his arrogance does him in, because I love Winston. Yeah. You, you arrogant it's asshole. Arrogant. You, <laughs> you arrogant asshole. You didn't even great... notice he didn't shoot. That's just another, that's going to go down as a great, like, action moment where he's, like, he didn't even shoot. And then it's just, I don't know if it's the music and how it's shot, too. And then it just counts, like, consequences. Bang. Just, oh. Did you notice 
That he didn't shoot? I had, yeah. I thought he did. Okay. I was just like him. Because I saw this movie with Justin last night, and he and I were talking about how uh, uh, it, de- it depends completely on where you were looking. Because when I was looking, I think I was looking at Kane, and I heard the big bang, so I just assumed they both shot off at the same time. I saw them raise their guns, bang, and then I saw blood splatter come off John Wick. I didn't see anything come off Donnie. Bunny in. So I was like, okay, I guess they both shot, but John intentionally missed. But Justin was like, oh no, I was looking at John Wick. He raised his gun. There was no muzzle flash. Hmm. So he's like, I wasn't, yeah. Yeah. I think it went by so quick for me that I didn't really notice. So Justin really liked that you can see from the perspective of Winston that if you're paying attention from an objective standpoint, you can see John Wick doesn't shoot as well. And you're like, oh, you're, he's saving his bullet for something, probably the marquee. But if you're paying attention, you can see what Winston sees as well. So that was a great bit of filmmaking there. Also, we laughed our asses off right, right afterwards when Mr. Nobody was like, that's fucking good. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> moment in my theater too, where everybody was laughing when he was laughing. The comedy in this is, it's very, it's very, uh, like minute but there's some funny parts it's good like really great comedy parts filmmakers are patting themselves on the back for that one but i'll allow it because it was good he was like that's fucking good (laughs) how do you feel about mr nobody's a character because like to me he seemed a little out of place at some parts like i didn't believe at some parts he fat he fitted in this world but i think that's just his whole character right like he's he's nobody He's on the outside. He doesn't really care about the marquee or the high table. He just, he's obsessed with John Wick to the point where he's only going to kill him when he's at the max of his, his bounty. Well, he that's wants a what big I thought. Payday. I have never seen a character like his before in that he's a bounty hunter who protects his bounty so that mm-hmm. the bounty can keep racking up a higher dollar amount. That's a brilliant concept for a bounty hunter character. I've never seen anything like that before. So I just thought that was brilliant from a conceptual standpoint. Mm-hmm. I thought they killed the dog for a second. I was about to walk out. When the uh, the main yeah. henchman like throws him into a car, I was like, <gasps> no! And then he gets up, he's fine. It's like, phew! Or when the main henchman had his gun on the dog, and John Wick, of course, takes... You I was know. like, John! <laughs> John, shoot! You're not going to let another dog die! John, <laughs> he never would. That's that's a good bit of character work there. But I also like that mm-hmm. once again, speaking of respect, right? The bad guys in this movie don't really have respect anymore. Mr. Nobody's a little no. bit on the outside. The marquee doesn't respect John either or the or the rules. But Mr. Nobody's arc is that he learns respect having trailed John. He sees from afar everything that John does. And why he does it, he learns to see the man behind the myth. And by the end there, when he has the chance to kill him, but he does the honorable thing and kills the guy who's going to kill the dog instead, that's when Mr. Nobody's like, you know, I, I, think, I think I'm on the wrong side now. And then he goes to the, uh, the duel and, and watches mm-hmm. just kind of as a fan. And he's sad. When John gets shot and supposedly dies, Mr. Nobody's crying. He's... Like, idolizing this guy now, after trailing him for so long. So it's a subtle character arc, but I like what they did with him there. Yeah, I think he was weird at parts, uh, just because I 
thought he felt out of place, but also that just kind of helped him stand out. So I liked him as, you know, as a character. I love that Clancy Brown was in this movie too. That was awesome. Hmm. Great character yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, the main henchman, he is just a unit. I was like, I, when he walked into the, um, the continental that's in Japan, which, which one is that one called? Osaka. The Osaka continental. I was like, as soon as he walked in, I was like, oh, he's going to be a problem. <laughs> that's exactly what I <laughs> thought in my head when I saw him. I was like, yikes. Uh, he's just an absolute unit. But, uh, who else do we talk about? Oh, Donnie Yen. Fucking phenomenal. Donnie Yen, I believe, is superhuman. Yeah. Watch that guy move on screen. There was a scene where he was punching a henchman, and I'm like, how, how is it physically possible for fists to move that fast? Oh, I he go, oh that's so funny. Yeah. That was so funny. He was punching him so fast that people in my theater was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the way he hmm. moves, even with his sword, and he acts blind really well, too. Yeah, and he has to do. He's done it twice. Yeah, <laughs> Rogue One. Yeah, his I physicality the force, the force is with me. His physicality is ridiculously impressive. If, and I knew going into this movie, I was thinking, okay, who could they possibly get that would be a believable foe for John Wick to fight? Oh, Donnie Yen's going to be the main villain. Okay, I buy that. This is an actual threat for John Wick. I haven't seen the character, but Donnie Yen's playing him, so I know this is going to be legit. And he was. He was the only one. I had one. no idea. I had no idea it was in this movie. I didn't watch a lot of marketing leading up to this movie, so I didn't know he was in it. I didn't know that um, uh, Akira's father was in it, the actor who played him. I saw him, I was like, oh, that guy. So I like that. I also didn't know that Scott Atkins would be in this movie, uh, which was, is uh, really Hiroyuki, shocking. Hiroyuki Sonata. Mm-hmm. Who's also a legend, but Scott yeah. Atkins is one of the is uh, one of those American stunt performer like legends. And I was like, I thought he was in this movie, but who was he? He was the guy in the fat suit. And I was like, oh really? wow, they actually gave him like a character, which is really cool because most of the movies he's in, he just plays like a henchman, or in his own movies he plays um, like he plays the main guy. But they're they're kind of like lower budget indie movies. But it was awesome he actually got to play like a character, and I think he did phenomenal. Barely the guy in the fat suit was like massive threat for for John as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you couldn't get. It's like fighting. This is what I remember. It's like the first level of the Spider-Man game when you're trying to fight Kingpin. Mm-hmm. And you're just like he's just throwing you around. You you have to like you can't hit a guy that big. It's he doesn't budge. Oh my god! It was so funny because when they were doing the poker thing. Well, first of all, Chang gets a royal flush, which is not, you can't just get that. And there were some, I could tell there were some poker fans in my audience that just laughed that off. And then fucking the guy gets five of a kind, and that got even a, like a bigger laugh. Like, those are the two hands that are just, you maybe see it once in your lifetime. Like, it's not possible to get those. But I think for, for a movie like this, it's, it's funny. I think it's really funny. Justin pointed out to me an even funnier joke that I missed the first time is that even uh even Kane the blind guy could tell that he was cheating yeah. he got five of a kind he's like mm-hmm. let me guess five of a kind well i thought i didn't i couldn't tell if he changed his cards at all uh chain i was like yeah i'll play i was like is someone going to 
read the cards for him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, come on, man, help him out. That was a really intense uh, scene, though, with mo- like four villains all around the table. Mm-hmm. Every one of them wants to get John. And he's just like, how can I get out of this? What's. This was fantastic. So good. But yeah, Donnie, and, and I love how they. That sword fight between Donnie Yen and uh, who you said his name, Hikua Sanada, Hiroyuki uh, Hiri- Hiri- Sanada. Yeah, that fight scene, it's such an homage to older, like, Eastern samurai fights where, again, it's, it's, the, it's the pauses in the middle of the fights, too, and I love that, where it's not just swords clashing. Uh, a lot and those two are such legends in over in japan and those and the eastern films and i love how they get a yeah. spotlight here in this film it's really well done donnie and <laughs> donnie and has so many like behind the scenes stories where i'm pretty sure on it man where he made a bet with the other stunt performers that if they could land a hit on him they he would pay for their like wages for the day, like if they could land an actual oh, wow. hit on them, because in those movies they can get away with that type of stuff. Nobody did. Like nobody could land a hit on him. But I think nice. he also paid for a lot of injuries and stuff. But and he was on another film. I can't remember the film, but it. Uh, if anybody knows what it is, it's the film. It's a scene where he's in the alley and he's doing a fight scene with somebody else, and I think they have uh fake knives, or they're using knives and. Donnie Yen went so fast that the camera couldn't pick it up at parts. Like, that's just how insane Donnie Yen is. And I completely forgot he was going to be in this movie. And I love that he was in this movie. And his character, Chain, and John Wick have this great... Kane, excuse me. Yeah. Have this great brotherly bond in the movie where they're old friends. And they have to... They don't want to, but they have to kill each other for different reasons. And again, it's story elements elevating the action and the action elevating the story. And fuck, man, this is one of those like surprising movies of the year that was like, I didn't think I was going to love it this much, but I did. I also liked how their story had a bit of back and forth to it. Like John didn't want to kill him at first, but then he found out that he Kane killed his friend. And he was like, yeah, really, really? Now I'm actually pissed at you. <laughs> and then he kind of came and then he kind of came back around again by the end they were friends again yeah. but i also love once again the respect like when uh when john had his toughest enemy yet stairs kane helped him back up <laughs> oh my fucking that god rule- i was like are they gonna do it are they going to do it are, I, do I think they're going to do the gag on John or just a henchman? And then he reaches the top and then he gets knocked down. I was like, oh my God, they actually did it. I was, I was so happy, but like, I he was kept, like, holy I just fuck, love I can't believe it. It was comically this. long. He kept going. Like, and then he gets the landing. So fucking funny. I have actually walked up those stairs. It sucks. They are they are as annoying as they look in the movie. I've been to Paris, but I don't think we walked up those steps. I, think, I had been yeah, to basically to every... Part. I basically went to every location they showed in Paris in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never had that in a movie before where I recognize so many things in it. I was like, when Donnie Man, I gotta was know sit, how like they sitting in the garden. The, 
I got to that's from the sorry. Arc de Triomphe fight. I was like, how the fuck yeah. did they do that? That so was very impressive. That was very impressive. Do you think they were actually at the Arc de Triomphe for that? Because I was thinking about this too, and I'm like, okay, well, so for the like the aerial shots, it. sure. I bet you they had like the aerial shots of the Arc de Triomphe, yeah. but all the rest is basically just like a, a cobblestone circle that you just see the base of it. I bet they're the on a lot for most of it because that's quite a that's a lot of money to close down that road to film there. But yeah. I could see. I mean, I think the budget on this movie is a hundred million. I saw somewhere. Yeah, budget's hundred million. Did they just shut down all around Paris or what? Because they they filmed it. Uh, the Paris I Opera House. Feel like House that'd be on the news well. though. <laughs> I noticed that. I think I recognize the Paris Opera House as well. Maybe they were doing right. some trickery there. But like, even when the Marquis was just walking up that staircase to go see the play, I'm like, been on those stairs as well. I know where he's at. And then he walks in the auditorium. <laughs> like, there we go. Yeah, that's the place. Uh, or when he's in Versailles in the Hall of Mirrors, I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, is that actually looks like it? I don't know if it is the Hall of Mirrors. Because I'm like. One thing I found funny where it's a bit of a jump cut where the Marquis is, um, he asks one of his, excuse me, one of his henchmen to find Kane. And then we cut yeah. to Paris and then he's already there. <laughs> like the Marquis already in Paris where I don't know, just my brain's like, okay, find him and then bring him to me. But he doesn't say bring him to me. He, he's like, I found him. Let's go to Paris. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I get to go home. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I was just like, oh, he's just in Paris now. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know how they did all those landmarks. But I like the globetrotting adventure. And we go from New York to Japan to Paris. All different corners of the world. Berlin for a little bit. Oh, yeah, Berlin as well. Yeah, so you get to see a lot of of the globe there. A lot of Russians in Berlin, huh? Apparently. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, let's see, let's see, what else? Oh, we gotta talk about the best fight scene, the fucking mace trap, the top town view, with the... My jaw was on the floor for that. So good, so good. I I texted Joe this, but I said, hey, you like that scene? Well, guess what? We're doing it again, motherfucker. And they do it again. (laughs) I was like, wow. They pan down in the room, and then he's just... Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's eye level, same as usual, and then they go back up <laughs> for more. It went so long, but I loved it. I, and I especially loved the, it looked very practical too, the, um, yeah, the fire, the sparks sh- shooting out of the gun. And I really wonder how they did that scene, whether it was hidden cuts or if they actually went to a lot and raised the camera really high, because they've done that on other productions too. Like, I think it was El Camino. Where, um, when Jesse, uh, spoiler alert, when Jesse is tearing through the apartment to look for something, there's act, there's that, like that, they, I think they call it the mice trap shot. Cause it looks like you're looking through a mice, mouse trap. Mm, right. Like the big ones, not the one that, you know, snaps the neck, but, uh, that's what I hope they did it like that. Well, not hope, but that'd be really cool if they did it like that, but I, I would, think they I did. I think they did. Was... No, they, they definitely yeah. did because you couldn't. Maybe there were hidden cuts in it, but it was too, mm-hmm. it was too fluid for it so to be. So well choreographed. So well choreographed. Fantastic. One of my favorite things just before that, though, is that they set up 
those guys with the dragon breath guns that can specifically yeah. shoot through the suits. And then the first one who tries to kill John, John just gets the gun and then starts he killing misses. them all with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So once again, the comedy like a in lot this of movie people... is it's subtle, but it's so funny. I think a lot of people take criticisms with that, but it's like, no, you still have to fight John Wick. <laughs> you still yeah. have to go through him. Oh, this might be a problem. No. 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 You still have to kill the man. <laughs> Which, once John again, maybe you can criticize fire that, gun. But... Maybe he'll do well. But what if John has the fire gun? Oh, no. <laughs> Look, if you're on John Wick 4... If you're on John Wick 4 and you're still criticizing that it's too easy for him... I don't know what to tell you at this point. Why are you still watching these movies? Because it's not like it, it really isn't that easy for him. He does, he can kill all the guys in the room, but he still takes a beating. It's yeah. like, he, he takes a lot of emotional damage as well. He's just sick of this and just wants to get out and we want to see him get out too. And the, mm-hmm. it's also, the other characters are vulnerable as well. We don't know. I had a funny, th- yeah. I had a funny thought through that entire fight with the, like, continuous one-shot of him shooting the fire gun. And I was just like, it's been a while since his dog died. Like, we got, we went from there to here. <laughs> yeah. It in the span pretty... of a couple, in the span of maybe a couple months total. Who knows? Who knows how long that time jump is from, uh, well, probably like a few days. Actually, no, he was pretty beat up at the end of Parabellum. He had bullet uh, wounds so. and stuff, yeah. Yeah, he had like a bloody eye. Keep in mind Parabellum is at the end of like one, two, and three are basically all within a week. Yeah, for sure. So like he had to heal up from three movies worth of damage. I was so upset when his house got blown up. It was a really nice house. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that was painful. Uh, let's see, let's see. I He can't get his money. Anyway, speak, speaking of the stunts, what did you think of all the fall damage? That to me was the most unrealistic part about the whole thing was how he, oh like, yeah, like he kept falling from all these massive, fi- it was awesome. But after like the third one, I'm like, yeesh, man. He like, he hits a car or like, even like the one henchman dude, I'm pretty sure he falls onto a car and then he gets up like a few scenes later. I was like, Jesus Christ, there's no fall damage in this universe. No. <laughs> Or when Unless he fell the suits off the waterfall. Are like super durable. When he fell off the waterfall at that club. Oh yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> that one actually seemed to <laughs> That one seemed to hurt him. That was for crazy. a little bit. I remember a yeah. clip before John Wick 4 was released was showing the one like one goon falling down the uh, um falling down the elevator in Osaka Continental. I was like, man, I really hope I really hope it looks good in the movie because regular movie they just do like three jump cuts of him falling down but they show the whole stunt i was like in my head i was going yes thank you for showing the whole stunt instead of most what what most filmmakers do like if i there needs to be an oscar for stunts i'm not talking about like which actor did the best stunt i'm talking about stunt teams because there's so much coordinators yeah stunt coordinator stunt teams there's so much like passion and care that goes into this part of film and it's been ignored for the entirety of fucking forever. You know what else I like about the uh, the stunts in this movie is that every action sequence 
Come to think of it, for most of the John Wick franchise, every action sequence has a different gimmick. Mm-hmm. Like early on oh, in the movie, sure. one of the one of the first gimmicks is okay. He takes down a guy. He takes down a whole room with nunchucks, and then it's uh, he's got a. Then there's sword fighting. He's got to take down mm-hmm. these bulletproof guys with swords, uh, and then later on, it's mostly guns. And then there's the se- the top down <laughs> scene with the uh, like with the flamethrower shotgun mm-hmm. thing, uh, or at the end where it's just a duel with pistols. Like every f- fight has um just a different gimmick to it. There was the one time I went like kind of side a little bit where it's like, and this gun, twenty one round capacity. I was like, okay. you're just saying that so you can make the you can tell the audience not to count the bullets he's firing before reloading i thought the same 21 21 capacity i was like okay (laughs) sure i don't know maybe maybe you gotta look up it's probably possible i could be eating my own words there but i was i was like confused when they said and also it's very good up close and personal i was like what does he mean by that and then he has that one part where he takes the gun apart and he's using it to stab the one dude. I was like, oh shit, that's what he meant. Yeah. One of my favorite things is that after he, every time he runs out of bullets, he takes the magazine and whips it at them for stun damage first. Yep. For <laughs> just stun to, damage. <laughs> just to keep going. John Wick in D&D, he couldn't die. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Pretty much. He's got a very high armor class is the thing. <laughs> He'd have like max agility, max strength or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That how much charisma yeah. would you say? How much charisma would you say he has? Or charm? I think he's, I think he's got a low charisma stat. <laughs> he doesn't talk much. He's a man of few <laughs> words. And people are very quick to betray him. He doesn't. Yeah. Mm, that's true. I love that he's a man of few words, too. It's kind of like, oh my, I'm going to make another comparison, but it's like Kratos to God of War, where he doesn't say much, but when he does, it's really important. Yeah. But I also like how he doesn't say, even when he does speak, it's not always that important. Sometimes he's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> baseline acknowledgements. But it's his acting yeah. that, it's Keanu Reeves' acting that communicates. Like you said, he's very good at the art of subtlety. Mm-hmm. Whereas once he's again, also, I love when uh, he's contrasted with someone like Lawrence Fishburne, who's the opposite of subtle in this movie, which just makes it more fun. Man, it's so funny seeing them be together again because, like, oh my god, it's Neo and Morpheus again, and it's yeah. just and they're but they're totally different characters than from Neo and Morpheus. So it's it's just really fun to see those two again. Which it didn't click to me until like a year or two ago. Watching the third movie, I was like, oh my god, I didn't think of the Matrix connection. Because I didn't watch the Matrix up to that point. So I didn't even think about it. And then I was like, oh my god, I didn't even think about the meta joke in this. I'm stupid. (sighs) I hope to see Keanu Reeves in... Not like, I'm not saying I want to see another John Wick movie, but I hope to see him in another movie where he can finally cut his hair. (laughs) Finally. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that's what people were mad about in Matrix, where it's like he looks too much like fucking John Wick. <laughs> he didn't look like Neo. No, no. I also heard I, it wasn't that great of a movie, but I I haven't seen it, so I feel like it's divisive. I liked it more than most people, 
but I'm also not that huge on the Matrix. I'd only seen, mm. I literally had only seen the third Matrix maybe the night before I watched four. So mm. it, I didn't really have that kind of nostalgia going I've into it. I've only seen I, one. Right. I've only seen uh, the first you don't, one. You don't need to see the others. Maybe two and three. That's, that's what I've heard. <laughs> like, like two and three do tell, uh, you know, it is interesting what happens if you care enough to see. Mm-hmm. And four is more of a glorified epilogue. It's not really. Damn. It's not really. It's not really like Matrix four. It's just as important as the other three. It's like one to three are the story and four is just the epilogue, basically. That sucks. No, it worked okay if you look at it that way. But if you look at it as the Matrix 4, it's just as important, then it's a lot worse. Uh, oh, well. So, what, okay, so we were talking about that one henchman there. What I liked about him and the other high table soldiers is that they're cut above all the other henchmen, is something I notice. Whenever he just fights regular assassins, he kills them pretty easily. But whenever yeah. he's against someone from the high table... It's a noticeable challenge, which I just think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, see. he's a he's he's a pretty he's a pretty cool character in terms of you're trying to figure out his, for lack of a better word, power level. Because yes, he's a complete threat, but if he goes against you know the higher people up at Osaka or John Wick or Kane, then yeah, there's they're almost even. At the uh, at some parts, so so I'm starting to think this movie is about the futility of trying to alter your destiny. It seems to be one of the mm-hmm. big themes. A lot of the bad guys keep telling him, like, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. You know, you kill the elder, somebody will just replace him. You try to get out, it doesn't matter. There'll be more guys to come after you. You try to get out for you, well, that also doesn't matter because. You're a monster. You're, you're the Baba Yaga at heart. This is who you'll always be. Retirement, you were never going to stay retired. Because this is just, people have been telling him that for the entire franchise. So I think that's, that's what John Wick is about. It's about the futility of, like, do you have to be the person you always were? Is there actually a way to move forward and out? Is that even possible? Or is death the only escape? Really? As much as you try to fight against it. Mm. Which, yeah, I, I, I guess the big question. I don't know. Yeah. Because I don't think John Wick is dead, so. <laughs> well, I think either way that answers the question. You, you can get out. That's true. But it's not, but not without great effort. You can't well, diverge yeah, from well, your yeah. path. Because when he did originally went out, he had to do an impossible task. And he needed to get help. From someone and give him a marker, uh, yeah. in order to get help. So you can get out. It just would take an impossible task. Yeah. The bodies he buried that day. But that's also the thing, right? They said he could get out, but everyone also always kept telling him, "Well, you're you're probably not going to stay out though, because this is just who you are." Mm-hmm. And he tries to deny that, but is it who he really is? Can John Wick be just John? loving husband or is the specter of john wick always there is is mm-hmm. an assassin just all he is it's i also like they never they never named john's new dog they're just like this is a boy 
<laughs> I think he just called point. it dog. Yeah. Yeah, I called it dog. And even I think when it goes over to uh, Winston at the end, that they never say a name. So it's like, this is dog. <laughs> yeah. I like that the Bowery King got it, though, because you see him walking in in the first scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. I guess he bonded with that dog. His yeah. first dog was so cute. Daisy. Yeah. Adorable little pup. Uh, so another thing I liked about this movie compared to the other ones is that just all the layers to it. The first, the other ones are a lot more straightforward. You see the bad guys chasing John Wick through this or that situation, or he's chasing them. But this one was, John's trying to do this thing, but every character in their, in the film has their own motivations that they're playing off of. Sometimes the villains are even competing against each other for the mm-hmm. same thing. So there was a lot, there was a lot of layers to it which just made it more interesting to watch. It kept me more engaged than the other ones. Seeing this kind of international crime ring play chess with each other and John's the king they're trying to take down. Yeah. Yeah, Um, very, very good. Very great movie. Fantastic. I was go far as to say it's the Top Gun Maverick of 2023, where it's a surprising action film that comes out of nowhere. And... Well, not out of nowhere, Sequel. but yeah, very, very good. It's one of the best action movies I've ever seen. I think I can say that. Yeah, I was looking up the next few months of uh, movies, and I was like, fuck, April's going to be busy for us, and June's going to be busy for us, too. Or like around May, late May, early June. Yeah, what's, uh, what's happening around then? I know Guardians 3 is uh, around then, but... Guardians 3, Indiana Jones, Spider-Verse. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's going to be busy. And the next couple weeks here, it's Dungeons & Dragons, the Mario movie, Air, if we ever get around to it. Probably won't talk about it, but... I don't know. That's what I'd like to see. It's the Nike movie. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that looked interesting. It's a stacked cast. For sure. All right, well, anyway, I guess that's our thoughts on uh, John Wick 4. Oh, yeah, I also want to say the cinematography, I think, is the best in the franchise oh, so far. So too. good. Just, they really did the best they could with every like on a technical level here. It's just mm-hmm. a very well-made movie, very interesting action epic. It's, uh, it'll, this, one, this one tickles the brain more, makes you think a little bit more than the other ones, keeps you just as invested in the action. It looks great. The acting's better across the board too just on a it's just a really well-made movie and you don't even feel the length either it's well paced at two hours 45 minutes i didn't feel it it definitely felt the most cinematic to me cinematic all of them it's also very quotable too like how many Mm -hmm. quotes have we said just we saw it yesterday and i don't usually remember that many quotes from movies but there's a lot of good quotes about philosophy finding your place in the world just or just badass things or funny things. Like it's, it's kind of everything you could want out of a movie. Or the more inspirational quotes, like, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So that's our official review of John Wick four out of a one to 10. We give it a, yeah, yeah, a double. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I think it's uh, very good. 
definitely a must see. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I think that's all we got for today. Let's plug our socials. Alrighty, well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the close-up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe, where I explain Dungeons & Dragons to someone who's never played Dungeons & Dragons. Till it's going to be a four-hour podcast. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> See ya.